source of true delight, whom I unseen adore. Unveil thy beauties to my sight, that I might love thee more. Oh, that I might love thee more. You're listening to the weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. The following message was recorded live from our sanctuary. Our prayer is that this message would nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you as you listen. See my bleeding die. That little gospel chord turned down there at the end, Jacob. That's pretty, that's pretty sweet. Well, good morning. Darwin. Um, is away, I think, for a couple of weeks on vacation and has been kind enough to let uh, me and Ryan Anderson pinch hit for a few weeks. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to spend together, uh, not the whole week, just this hour on Sunday morning, I'm moving in with you. Um, and we're going to take a look at a little series that is called uh, The Questions That God Asks Us. And... Um, we have a lot of questions that we ask God, and, and they're fair questions. I would say they're very fair questions. Some of them are fairly benign in my world, but they're still fun questions. I want to know why I was made left-handed in a right-hand person's world, right? I want to know why uh, they can't, you know, figure out left-handed can openers and things like that better. It's a real question I have, and if you have one, tell me. Or, um, you know, what's up with tree rings? Like, I think that's... Why tree rings? Why rings? Why does a tree grow a ring every year? I just think that's baffling. Um, how about vocal cords? You ever thought about vocal cords? That's just a unique piece of the human body that I don't understand. Why would he make like this little stringy thing that vibrates back and forth? But it's pretty cool. I have all kinds of questions like that. Um, why would America vote Joshua Ledet off American Idol? He's the best singer by far. He's the greatest voice out there. I don't understand that. Why would he do that? Uh, you know, so some of our questions are like that, but some of our questions are a little more, um, boy, they're just a little more serious. They, they carry a little more weight. They're still honest questions that we would ask God. Um, let me throw a couple questions out there that you and I, I think, would have before we read the Scriptures. Because I think it sets the tone for it. Uh, why am I afraid of people the majority of the time when I really don't want to be? Why am I always the slowest kid on the playground? There's a question we might ask. How come my sister gets invited to more parties than I do? There's a question that might be rattling around in our day. Why was I born with this birth defect or this disease? Or why did I develop this problem? How come my mom never got off the couch? How come I had to pack my lunch to go to school from the time I can remember didn't have anybody to really help me. Uh, how come they always ask her out? And they never ask, you know, me out. Now, obviously, you get the voice there, but right? How come it's always the same three girls that get asked out in this group? 
come I can't find a wife? Why did my wife get this disease? Those are real questions that are rattling around in our brain. How come my father died? How come my spouse is terminally ill? There's some real questions we have that rattle around in our brain. And they are good, good questions. I'm telling you, they are good questions. God loves those questions. He is for those questions. I think what we oftentimes don't necessarily think of is that God has questions for us as well. And Job is a good place to kind of begin as we think about the questions that are good questions that we have because Job has a lot of questions. And so with that in mind, I'm going to jump in. And the question this week is going to be out of Job. And that is, who is really wise? Because I think our questions that are the serious questions are really pointing to that end. The question behind the question that we have of the why is... Is God really wise? Or should I trust someone else, namely me? That's the question that's really behind the question. So with that in mind, if you want to look at the book of Job, if you want the Blue Pew Bible, it's on page 443. It looks like a lot that I'm going to read, but I'm going to read it fairly quickly. And what I want you to do is, is I want you to understand that Uh, This is the culmination of this long conversation that Job has had both with God and with kind of three friends over the course of a life that has turned pretty south, turned pretty hard. Okay, So this is God's good, kind word to you and I this morning. It is a living word. It's an authoritative word. I say this all the time. It stands over you and me this morning, no matter where you are as you enter this room. It's a kind word. So this is what he says. He says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk, or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Now flip over just two chapters to chapter 40, and it's a repeat of this same idea, but it's a different kind of question that God asks, but it's to the same vein of thought. And the Lord said to Job, Shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? He who argues with God, let him answer it. Then Job answered and said, Behold, I'm of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once and will not answer twice, but I will proceed no further. And then the Lord God answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. Will you even put me in the wrong? Will you condemn me that you may be in the right? Have you an arm like God, and can you thunder with a voice like His? And then finally, if you turn to the end, chapter 42, this is Job's kind of response. Excuse me. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand. 
things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear and I will speak. I will question you and you make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Let's ask the Lord to bless His Word in our time. Lord, we have need of You to give us both ears to hear You and eyes to see You as You are, that we may know ourselves and we may know You rightly. That as You ask us the good question of where we think we will find wisdom, we would be graced to find it in You. Because we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so I, It's a very simple thing this morning. And I think the whole point that I want to drive at is this idea of the questions that we have of God at times come with questions back. And the question of who will we find wisdom in? Where will we look for the wisdom to our biggest, deepest, darkest questions is a really good, good question. Please hear me. God is not upset or disappointed or not happy with the questions that we ask. They are honest and good questions. But what I want you to see this morning is that as God questions us back, there is a question that God gives and an invitation. In other words, when God asks us questions in response to ours, He poses Job, and as He poses Job, He poses us question that is both an accusation to us and a gracious call to response. We want to see from God out of Job this morning a fair challenge and a real invitation to see wisdom where it really lies. Now, look, if you know anything about Job, um, Job's an interesting book. I get scared when I start reading Job, right? And you may have read Job or you may not. If you haven't read Job, let me just give you this short synopsis because it's helpful. Job is a poetic book. Now, it may be that Job was an actual figure, but it may be that actually this is poetry. That's the way it's written. And he's not actually an historic figure, but that what there is is there is biblical wisdom here that really grasps the human experience and therefore portrays poetically very real-life things that you and I struggle with. And so Job in this book, is an interesting fellow. If you read the book, it says things like this about Job. Job believed in God. And Job actually practiced his religion. He believed in God's mercy. If you read, he actually believed in forgiveness. Job actually believed in life eternal way back then. Job was righteous. Job was concerned for his children and their righteousness and their practice of religion. And it turns out that Job was a fairly shrewd businessman, it seems, and was really good at whatever he did and seemed to have been blessed by God. He was very wealthy. He also had a lot of kids, seven sons and three daughters. Cared for them deeply. And if you're going to put it in today's age, Job's wealth is something like this. Job would have had a large house in Mira Vista. Job would have had a good condo in Park City. 
Joe would have had uh, a nice beach house on South Padre. He'd have had a ski chalet in Vail and would have taken you with him on family vacations. He liked to share the wealth a little bit. He was generous. Job threw great parties and you wanted to go. And the good thing is if you were part of his community, you'd have probably gotten the invitation. And as the story unfolds, God and Satan have this conversation where Satan looks at God and says, you know, the only reason Job worships you is because you've protected him. And unbeknownst to Job, God says, you know, do as you please with him, only spare his life. That's the upshot of the story. And in one day, so just stop preacherly hyperbole listening for one moment and listen to the realness of the story. In one day, all of Job's children are killed. In one event. He plans ten funerals. And all of his wealth is destroyed. The stock market takes a crash. And the worth of his camels is nothing for what he bought them at. And he has no money. And he has no resources. And he has no children. And then his health starts to deteriorate and disease racks his body. And he has a wife who looks at him and says, you're an idiot. Why don't you just curse God and the day you were born and die? And his friends, who were thick as thieves before while the good times were rolling, are nowhere to be found other than accusing him. And don't you know that at this point, Job begins to churn with some questions that are honest, real honest questions. The kind of questions that you and I ask when things don't go our way. Why would this happen? Why when I am attempting to be faithful to God in my walk to the best of my ability, why would these events befall me? Why would my life turn like this? Why would this stuff go on? Haven't I seemingly attempted to walk in a righteous manner? Why? Now, those are not bad questions. They are good, honest, faithful questions from a man who is faithfully attempting to follow God. And the thing that God takes issue with is not the question. It is the way that Job begins to ask the question because the tone begins to turn darker and more sinister and more accusatory. Because where Job ends up is this. God, I'm going to paraphrase him, okay? I don't think you're very smart at all. I don't think you're wise. If I'm going to be honest in my heart of hearts, I think the way you're running this whole deal is kind of suspect. And really, if I could just get a hearing with you, if I could give you a piece of my mind, I could tell you how this whole thing ought to go. Because you seem to have lost control of my world and this world and all the things around us. And I'm looking for some place to bank on some wisdom and you don't seem to have it. 
So maybe I should go look in someplace else for where wisdom is. Now look, it's not the question that God takes issue with for Job in some senses. It's the way he frames it. And in that moment, God comes to Job and says, Job, let me ask you a question. Now, do you understand what I mean when tone has everything to do with whether or not the question seems to be a good question? I'm going to give you an example. When my garbage in my house in the kitchen is overflowing, I can ask a question one of two ways. Kind of that sweet voice from the other room. Hey, honey, you want me to take the trash out? What she understands is loving and kind. And she says, sure, love, that would be great. That's a good question for me. Now, let me roll back the tape and play it a different way. As I walk by the trash can. Hey, you think anybody ought to take the trash out? Hey, anybody want to take the trash out? Hey, anybody see it's overflowing on the floor? Hey, anybody in this house take the trash out but me? Hey, who has two arms and two hands? Anybody else do this? Hey, honey. You think about taking the trash out? Or are we just going to let it overflow onto the floor? Now, if I ask it that way. That's probably going to garner a different response from my wife, don't you think? Hey, God, I do not understand why my life is the way it is. Can you help me? Hey, God, I don't think you're very smart. And I got to tell you, I'm really hacked off about it. And to be honest with you, You're full of it. And the way you run it stinks. And to be honest with you, I'd do a whole lot better if you just get off the seat and let me on the seat because I could figure this whole thing out a lot better than you. So why don't you take a break and move over? And the question that God comes to Job with is such a good question. Job, Who do you think is wise? And by virtue of the fact that God asked Job, He asks you and I, thousands of years later, the same good question. Who do you think it's wise? Because, guys, as we go through difficult times, we begin to wonder, can He really be trusted? And the posture with which we question Him is the thing that God comes to us with and questions us. Here's the challenge that God brings to Job this morning. And I love the way he says it. Okay, Job, dress for action, brother. Gird up your loins. It's that language of like, it's about we're about to tussle. We're about to go to battle. Put on your battle loincloth. Gird yourself up and answer me if you can these kind of questions. And it's this good thing, Job... Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? And the question that God asked Job is this. Job, where were you? Where were you when I made all this? When I laid the foundations of the earth, Job, where were you? What's the answer? Uh, nowhere? I was nowhere. I wasn't. I was dust. 
Where were you when God made suns and stars and created all the astrophysics stuff that goes behind that so that galaxies whirl around as they do? Where were you, Job? Nowhere. Where were you when I put the seas in their place and keep them in their bounds and maintain the laws of physics for surface tension the way I do. Job, where were you? Nowhere. Uh, Where were you when I thought up the whole notion of human beings and created them with a conscience and breathed into them a spirit and gave them beauty and morality and wonder and glory and an analogous form to me? Job, where were you? Mm, Nowhere. Uh, Where were you when I set up the laws of physics and formed human notions of aesthetics and morality and goodness and developed the human genome project? Where were you? Nowhere. Hey, Keith, where were you when your dad had a heart attack at the end of your lane when he was 44? I think I was playing blocks. Where was God? Right there. Hey, Keith, can you change the world the way it is by your wisdom? I don't think so. Let me remind you the questions that Job asked. Please hear me. They're not bad. The why questions are not bad questions. But God's question is this, Job, who do you think is really wise? The question is to call Job up short. It is to ask him, hey, little man made of dust, whose time is short, who can manage and change a very small sphere of influence, where were you? And where are you as I have all of heaven and earth and all authority in my hands and hold everything as it is supposed to be? Where were you? Where are you? What can you do? Who is wise? Because it's interesting, God doesn't answer the questions of why. If you read through the book of Job, He never gets an answer to the question of why these things happen in His life. Never. And he doesn't even, God doesn't even choose to reveal the conversation that he has had kind of with Satan about how this whole thing goes down. His question of Job is one that seems intent on getting at the center point of Job. Will you accuse me of being unwise, not good? And I want you to see that in that question, look up for one moment. Listen, in that question, The intention of God is to be kind to Job in his confrontation. Because in the question, there is an invitation. Because the invitation that God gives to Job is to return to sanity. The reason God asks the question the way he does is that he might remind Job of what reality looks like, which way the world is really turned. Because in the question, there is the rhetorical answer. I was nowhere. 
But there is one who was there. Because what God is attempting to do is He's attempting to reorient our faith to trust. He's attempting to reorient Job to the world as it really exists with God at the top of the triangle, right? And us underneath, in a sense. And if you look, Jesus takes up this theme in the New Testament asking both the question of, is God powerful and is He really wise and good? When He starts talking to the disciples about them worrying. And as He starts talking to them, Jesus says stuff like this, Hey, guys, let me remind you. Why would you worry? Look at the lilies of the field. Do you see the way they're dressed? No king is dressed with that kind of splendor. There's not, there's not a king dressed half as beauty, beautiful as the lilies of the field. If God takes care of these things and dresses them like that, will He not really take care of you? Look at the birds who, who get fed. If He cares for them, know that He cares for His people so much more. Look, this is the the song that we sing. Right? "'Tis better far that I should walk by faith close to His side. I may not know the way I go, but oh, I know my God. And if you doubt, I think the thing that comes to mind is this. That it's in the middle of suffering that God Himself comes to meet His people. So that if you wonder when hard things happen, whether or not God is really wise, I'm going to remind you of a moment that Jesus Himself bore up under. And that is this. When Jesus goes to the cross and suffers the wrath of God, It is in that dark hour when He says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That there is silence. Because God doesn't care? No. Because it's in that hour that it looks like wisdom has been turned on its head completely. It's in that hour where human wisdom fails completely. And it's in that hour where God secures the fact that His goodness will triumph in this life and the next for His people. And wisdom is turned upside down. And it's that moment that God's wisdom, though it seems faulty, really wins the day. You may never know why your mom never got off the couch. You may never know why your dad decided 30 years into being married to your mother that he thought someone half his age was a better way to go spend the final years of his life and leave your family with your mouth wide open. You may never know all the reasons why those things happen. But God comes to Job in the moment and says, Job, will you accuse me? Because He's inviting Job to see the world rightly. And He's inviting Job to repent. Now listen, look, that is the faith that I know we're after. Hang in for just a moment and let me do a little application, okay? That's the faith we want, right? 
Certainly, we want to be the people who can unswervingly go through life when the hardest questions come and be the folks who say, I trust Him. I do. That is what we want. I believe that's what you as the people of God want. It's what I want. Certainly, I would love to be one of those people like the Scottish Covenanters that people get books written about them. You know, the two Marys who were put in the tide pool at stake to it, and the tide came up and they drowned, and as they go to their death, they're singing hymns about the faithfulness of Jesus? Sure, I want to be that person. I do. I want you to be that person. I want you to have that faith. I want to have that faith. And if we go to our dark moments and our dark questions and our dark places with that, we ought to be people who thank God for His mercy for a faith like that. And we should rejoice in it. And that's what we want. What about the rest of us? What about those who are a bit more cowardly in the face of difficulty and given to doubt and questions that sound sinister? What about those of us who look a bit more like Job in our private life than we do in our public persona? See, this is why I'm glad that the book of Job is right smack dab in the center of the Bible because you get 38 chapters of Crazy questions that turn dark and accusatory because this is what the people of faith at times look like. And God gives Job 38 chapters to work out where the rubber really meets the road and the crux of what his real problem is. And the real problem that the people of faith at times have is this. God, you're wise, but it doesn't seem like wisdom to me. Why? Because honestly, at times, y'all, faith is hard. It wavers and it wobbles. At times, our questions can take a harder edge. And we can be as prone as the people of God to turn from honest questions that are seeking to be submissive in wisdom where we can't see the beginning from the end to honest yet misguided accusations of God. At times, it is hard in the face of our deepest fears and disappointments to see correctly. We lose perspective, don't we? It can seem to make a lot of sense to question the wisdom of God and to trust in our own, even if our wisdom looks like anger or resentment or cynicism or sarcasm, or even just despair, or curl up and crawl on the couch and suck your thumb fear. And our questions are good questions. Is He really good? God's not caught off guard by our questions, and He's not caught off guard when you and I begin to look like Job does. And this is why I'm thankful for the goodness of God to stand in front of you and me and ask you and me a question. Okay, Keith, where were you? Because in the question, there is a ringing invitation to see the world right side up as it really is. And look, this is the beauty. Because Job, when God comes and asks him the question a long time after he's been struggling, looks and says this. 
Herein I will speak. I'll question God and you make it known to me. That's the voice of God. And Job says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. And therefore, I don't really like myself or my own value of wisdom. And I repent in dust and ashes. Where were you when God set the heavens in their places? You were nowhere. But the God who is all good and all wise and who has redeemed all suffering and who will meet you in your darkest hour is good and is wise and is on the throne and is for you and is loving and is kind and is committed to your good today, tomorrow and forever, even if he doesn't peel back the veil and show you the workings of everything. He is And the reason He comes and looks at you and says, listen, where do you think you will find wisdom? Is because He wants us to be like Job and say, I have spoken out of turn. I got crazy for a minute. Lord, I want You to hear my questions. I'm praying that You will listen to my questions But I have seen you as you are. And I have seen myself as I am. And I repent. And I'm fleeing back to you. Why? Because what does God give to the humble? He gives grace. And He gives mercy. And He extends His kindness. Guys, ask your questions. Let him fly. Ask every question you can think of of God. He does not despise the question. And when the questions turn accusatory and crazy and angry, He will lovingly come to you and invite you to see the world as it is. And He will show you, Jesus, that you and I might put our hands on our mouth. See Christ as He is. See the world rightly. And Lord willing, have a heart that will say, God, I may not know the way I go. I may not know why things go the way they do go. I may not. But I do know the One who guides me. And I know His goodness. And I know His faithfulness. And I will follow after that because to follow in any other direction is crazy. Let's pray. Father, it is easy uh, to preach, uh, but at times it is hard to believe. And I pray that Your people who are sitting there this morning, O God, no matter where they are, uh, would have the questions that You ask us come gently and truthfully and honestly to us. And that You would turn our hearts. Lord, uh, thank You that You do not despise the honesty, the depth of honesty 
of the things we don't understand. Lord, You have made us in Your image. And therefore, You have made us as people who seek wisdom. Lord, I'm begging You that You would be gracious, kind, sir, to help us to see the world through the lens of uh, of the Bible. And that You would be gentle with Your people here who are angry. And You would be gentle with Your people here and You'd be gentle with me when I turn cynical and accusatory. That You would walk the long road round with us like You walk with Job. That we might end up back in that spot that says, God, I don't understand. But I will trust You. And if You will do that, O Lord, we, Your people, are better off and safe and in a good spot. So be gracious and kind to us in all the places that we ask our questions. For Jesus' sake, for our benefit. Thank you for listening to this weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. Our prayer is that this message was able to nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you. Please visit our website for worship service times directions to the church, and to subscribe to this podcast. Our web address is fortworthpca.org. Fort Worth Presbyterian is a part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Jesus, my Lord, my life, my light, oh, come with blissful rain. Break radiant through the shades of night And chase my fears away Won't you chase my fears away?